It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Thank you for tuning in. This is Roadworthy Drive, and I'm your host, Ken Chester. In studio with the usual suspects, my Roadworthy Drive crew, my friend and show executive producer Jack DeLeon at the controls, and the social media diva extraordinaire, Sasha Little. Hey, guys. Hi, Hello. guys. Uh, and, by the way, I yes. had a meeting this week with the suits. You know, you meet with the suits a lot uh, yes. without me. Yes. I'm concerned about that. Uh, you don't need to be. Okay. The suits are, most of the time, the suits are approaching me, asking me how things are going. That kind of worries me. They never talk to me, though. Uh, and why are they not talking to me? One, you're out of town. <laughs> there you go. Two, you're never here when the suits are here. Ah, yes. yes. That might be a blessing, actually. And yeah. number three, I'm better looking than both of you. But let's right. uh, well, yeah, go. You have nothing. the face for radio. The, uh, Amen, there you, sister. There you go. <laughs> Now, regular listeners to our show know that our show is all about tech news of an automotive nature, and consumer information will help you today, this hour, no exception. We're going to explore ride sharing, the fate of two American assembly plants that have been empty until recently, and a peek at the future on your living, what your living accommodations may look like in an autonomous world. All that and comments from the peanut gallery, of course. But first, as always, here at Roadworthy Drive, we want to hear from you. Connecting with us is easy as calling or texting the Roadworthy Drive line at 872-222-9793. If email is your thing, then reach out to me. That's Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. That's how you can connect with me in that way. In either case, reach out and connect with the show. It's fun. And now, a few words from from the parts bin. Let's from see what the we parts got there. bin. From the parts bin. I'm really, really excited. How are you, though? It's kind of like spinning the circle of knowledge. The circle of knowledge. I did not realize we were playing Wheel of Fortune. Kind of. Okay. Kind of. Okay. Go on, sir. Here's a word for you. Ferrari. Okay. Purple. No. <laughs> They're planning to make a battery electric car. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you that may not know, uh, Ferrari was recently spun off in the last couple of years from Fiat Chrysler. Yep. It was one of theirs. And the challenge that they had, they kept their numbers self-imposed below 10,000 vehicles. There's a reason for that. <clears throat> uh, don't they hand-build them? Well, mm, sort of, but that's not the reason. Okay. There, it's an EPA reason. Really? Below 10,000. If you are a boutique manufacturer with output of below 10,000, you're exempt from a lot of the EPA standards. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so you, so if I was a boutique car company, mm-hmm. I could put cherry bombs on all my vehicles and they'd be fine. I don't think you'd get away quite with that. Oh, but why not? And yeah. we all want more cherry bombs. Of course, though, but no. The louder the exhaust, the better the experience. I know that that's right. I don't necessarily agree, but okay. <laughs> um, what they're trying to do, they're going to, they're going to actually build, and why not, everybody else is, an SUV. 
but it's going to be an electric SUV. Now, notice I said electric, not a hybrid. Okay. <clears throat> so now, they're doing a full electric yep. SUV. Up. In the but in basically in the next year, year and a half. Nineteen, 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 twenty. Okay. I'm sorry. Here's twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. Here's me. my question. Yeah. Are we going to end up having that ludicrous speed, ridiculous electric motor in this thing? <coughs> like uh, a typical Ferrari would. May I, uh, yeah. may I quote them? They said their first SUV will be, and I quote, the fastest on the market, unquote. Uh, so what hoping... could possibly go wrong? Porsche's been doing this for about 15 years with the Cayenne. Right, but... And a Cayenne Turbo S, really? You need that? 90 grand, I would fast li- SUV. I would like the ability to experience it and then say I don't need it. See, here's the question. Yes. Why isn't our government uh-huh. replacing all of the Suburbans, the Tahoes, and everything that they use to, mm-hmm. pro- to protect our politicians mm-hmm. with Ferraris if they're going to be this ridiculously fast? American-made, though. I'm sure you could talk Ferrari into coming over here. If they had that not at those numbers. It doesn't make economic sense. Absolutely not. Um, they, are, they are aiming this and their coming hybrid vehicles at who else? Tesla, the Tesla Roadster Model S sedan, and the fact that they've acknowledged an unpleasant truth. They expect by 2025, less than half the vehicles on the road will be gasoline-powered or diesel-powered. So there you go. I love how, like, Tesla has become the new standard that they're comparing their electric cars Yeah, it used to be you compare against Lexus Mm -hmm. and in way back when Cadillac. Right. Now Tesla. Yeah. Everybody wants to beat up on Elon Musk. Yep. Well, and none of that too. But in another in another time, I know we don't have time for this. But how is he doing right now? He's doing excellent. He is doing absolutely. What's amazing. up with the flamethrowers? What's that about? Um, awesomeness in the world of the zombie apocalypse. I already put my order in for one. At five hundred dollars a piece. Five hundred dollars a piece. I'm actually giving them out to the stocking are, stuffers. How are those legal? Uh, did I mention it's a flamethrower? He raised $10 million. Yes, he did, in like less than 48 hours. <laughs> I, I <Wow. laughs> Everything he touches turns to gold, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if I told you, in your autonomous car, you may need a special set of glasses? The VR? No. Virtual reality? Why? Augmented reality? No. Combat motion sickness? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, imagine if you were sitting with your back towards the front. Uh Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. This study by the university, let's see, the University of Michigan, they said that roughly half of adults get queasy now just by reading a book as a passenger. I'm one of those people. Yep. Even more people could feel sick in a driverless car. This is why I drive. Mm, okay. See, and I can't, yeah, I cannot do the map taking. University of Michigan researchers have patented a system that can use glasses or, in your case, mm-hmm. a headset to prevent a disconnect between your sense of motion and what you might see. It's a thing. Okay, so are they assuming that I'm going to wear these glasses and then it's going to affect it's going to my counter. Pers- it's going to counter, it's going to counteract. What would make you queasy? That disconnect between you're sitting, but you're going backwards. When I had my conversion man, mm-hmm. we had a TV in it. Yes. My sister, 
who rode with us on a trip one time, mm-hmm. got so sick. Yep. She had to sit up front. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or she couldn't see the TV. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I was the same way. I mean, it just I cannot I cannot read, but my children can. I can't. Mm-hmm. So, they've got it coming. Who knew? Glasses for your autonomous car to keep you from getting queasy. I'm going to have to see that to believe that. That One technology births another technology. Mm -hmm. Births the need for another technology because it brings up a very accurate point. I mean, people talk about, oh, it's going to free up so much time. But if you're somebody that suffers from motion sickness or, you know, like what he was saying. How are you going to be able to get any work done? How are you going to be? And will it be enjoyable for people like that? Like right now, as long as I'm able to keep my eyes on the road and stuff, it... I don't get sick, but if I was just riding. Now, I'm not one that gets sick. I've read in a car. And it doesn't bother you. And good for you. Right. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hater in the room. I, again, jealousy. I am not thinking hating. Oh, is that, is that I think it? that's the oh, little green. Okay. All right. Well, let me give you something to chew on. Okay. Mercedes and BMW to test subscription services in the U.S. Yes. After Cadillac, after Volvo, now, and Porsche, and Lincoln. Yep. Now, Cat, now BMW and Mercedes looking at the same thing. Are they going to be more reasonable than... Probably uh, not. Uh, but really... I was, I was this about to say, with, with Lincoln's new Navigator... Yeah, especially if it's one of the high higher end ones. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't. See, I don't see this, this going for any less than twenty five hundred, three thousand. Well, the right? Cadillac one was over twelve hundred dollars. It was fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but here's the thing. This is the next level of luxury. When all vehicles are the same, and you're looking for a luxury experience, mm-hmm. then this is the thing to be able to maybe drive an SUV in the winter, drive a convertible in the summer, uh, maybe drive. Um, a, a, I don't know, some other vehicle in the fall. Mm-hmm. You'll have the ability to drive different vehicles as your needs change for that money and with nothing to worry about. You don't have to worry about maintenance, tires, windshield wipers, nothing. So they're doing it like across their brand then, the Mercedes? Yeah. And the yeah. whole thing is for all of them is they want to introduce people to the brand who maybe wouldn't buy one, mm-hmm. but they consider this maybe an extended test drive. An opportunity to experience the vehicle okay, um, from people who would not normally experience it. So, coming up, ride sharing gains traction. And then after that, the story of two American car assembly plants. You are riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. Listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. This is one way to get around. It takes more skill than most of us have. So for really going places, we recommend the great new Edsel. For full six-passenger comfort, Edsel gives you more room, more size, more of everything. Edsel is built to be the most distinctive car on the road with no trace of look-alike styling. Yet Edsel is now actually priced down in the low price field with many models of Plymouth, Chevrolet, and Ford. Edsel takes bumps like this in its stride. You see, 
Edsel gives you a big car luxury ride, a big car rugged suspension system, and oversized springs, foam rubber front seat cushions, and a big 120-inch wheelbase for big car roadability. Power? You can custom tailor your power to your needs from these four engines Edsel offers, including two V8s and a thrifty six that give you eye-opening performance on regular gas. Remember, Edsel is now priced down in the low-price field with many models of Plymouth, Chevrolet, and Ford. It's a king-size value in the low-price field. So don't spare the horses. Visit your Edsel dealer and treat yourself to an eye-opening demonstration drive. See, sit in, and drive the best car buy in America, the 1959 Edsel. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Thanks for tuning in. During this segment, we're digging a bit deeper into the evolving world of mobility. Regular listeners know, and they understand what we mean by the term. But if you are one of those who still associates the term mobility with those who may be physically challenged, it's time for me to bring you up to date. And let me take you back a little bit. Mobility in today's terms is the whole concept of getting from point A to point B. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is. Why? Because in the last couple of years, the Ford Motor Company and General Motors and Toyota, to a lesser extent, have all said that we're no longer automotive and truck companies, but we're mobility companies. And mobility now is being opened more now than ever before to a whole variety of ways to get from point A to point B. Everything from... Ford-branded bicycles in San Diego. Yep. I'm sorry, San Francisco. San Francisco. To ride-sharing, which Ford does with Chariot in San Diego. To, uh, I mean, just all sorts of different things that have nothing to do with car ownership per se. And there's more to come. With the evolution of autonomous vehicles, ride, uh, well, we've seen Uber and we've seen Lyft, which are just two of a number of ride-sharing services, and then there are car-sharing services. And we've reported here before that even Tesla is looking at making available where if you own a Tesla, that you might be able to, I don't want to use the word rent, but uh, make your vehicle available for a fee. And, 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 that's and you're talking about when you're not using it. That's mm-hmm. kind of usually the way that goes in that case. I just wanted to make sure. When you're not using it, that would be preferable. Would you believe that on average, nine, the vehicle sits, the vehicles that people own, sit 95% of the time? Yeah. 95%. You spend all this money, you make all these payments and insurance and maintenance and spend all this money to only use a vehicle 5% of the time. 5%. That's crazy. Um, let's talk about this for a minute. Just taking this a little bit further. Ditching personal cars for ride sharing. Um, this is a survey that they that Thomas Reuters did a, a little bit back, uh, and they said of this survey about a quarter of Americans. Now let me back up. A quarter of Americans gave their car up in the last year, and nine percent of that group turned to ride sharing services such as Lyft or Uber to get around. This is according to a Reuters Ipsos opinion poll. Roughly 10% of those folks used biking, walking, or mass transit, as well as the same number, 
same percentage number, about nine ten percent, used ride sharing services. Uh, it was a small sample size, but indicative of where we're going. Strange part of it is, I lived in Boston when I was in college a number of years ago. I gave up my car, yeah, for four years, yeah. And at, at that time, if you didn't own a car, you had to rent one. And it, you know, if you weren't using mass transit, where I lived, mass transit was awesome. You could get to anywhere within, I'm saying within 40, 50 miles of the city on mass transit. Okay. You'd be amazed at just how far out you could get. Outside of the city limits. Outside of the city limits. Oh, wow. And today it's even further out. I would say probably it's at least 70 to 100 miles out. Well, and I'm seeing the transition even where I'm at because now there's actually companies that will take people like into if you want to go to Waterloo, if you want to go to Marshalltown, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me let me use an example. They use an example in this one story of one fella okay. who gave up his car. He lived in New York City and using ride services, car sharing, and bike sharing to get around. He had a car budget of $820 a month. Mm-hmm. It fell. This is in New York City. Okay. New York City. One of the most expensive places to own a car. Mm-hmm. New York City. Not New York State. City. I'm sorry. Where was it again? Mm-hmm. From $820 to $250 a month. Wow. Using car sharing and ride services. Now, that 800 did that include a car payment, parking? Um, Insurance. Okay, gasoline, so that was everything. Yeah. Okay. Now, about the same percentage in this survey said they plan to dispose of their cars and turn to ride services in the upcoming 12 months. Another 10%. Yeah. On top of the 10% that did it. Okay. I have a question. Mm-hmm. In my experience, mm-hmm. if you do not carry some kind of automobile insurance, and let's say you give up your car, mm-hmm. it almost becomes impossible to get that insurance back. Yes, it does. Well, if you don't own a car anymore. Yeah, but, but if let's you... Say, let, let's say you give up your car for mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you want to buy a car. Mm-hmm. You can't get insurance because you have you have no track record for the last four years. That may have been, but that's changing too. Again, Is it? mobility. Well, and I understand that, but are we in a position where all this stuff is happening faster than than the rules and the laws and the rest of the stuff? Yeah, but that's not necessarily law. That's insurance practice. Yeah. And if they want to write it, they'll write it. You may have to pay more for it. Yeah, for like the but first like, like six well, but months. But that's, that's also not fair to me when I haven't done anything in four years. Yeah, well, you know, insurance companies, they'll either change or die. If you don't change, the people, their high pricing, if that is still true, will drive people only further right sharing saying, well, why would I own a car if my insurance is going to be ridiculous on top of all this yeah. when I can do it for this amount? Yep. That's called market forces in a capitalist system, folks. Either get with the program and give people what they want, or people will go somewhere else. And that is what's going on now. Things, times, they are changing. This survey said 39% of Americans used ride services in the last year, and 27% of that group did it at least several times a week. Food for thought. Next, the tale of two American assembly plants, and then finally... Future World, living accommodations in an autonomous world. This is Roadworthy Drive.
is Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, your host. For those of you that need or want more than your share of the road, check out the show website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. We have completely redesigned it. It's cleaner to see and easier to navigate. You can listen to audio clips of past shows, watch videos of our behind-the-scenes antics, the good, bad, and the ugly, and more. The website is also a great place to discover where we are in the universe of social media. Sasha is our social media diva who keeps things entertaining, light, and lively online between shows. And always on the lookout for interesting items of technology, aren't you? Absolutely. If you happen to come across something while you're surfing the web or you want to know more about something that you just happen to catch the clip on, send me an email at Sasha at Roadworthy Drive. Dot com, or send me a message on Facebook. Let me know. I can research it for you, and we'll post it on the page. See how she keeps the social in our social media. You'll be glad you did. I want to turn our attention now to a couple of automotive, American automotive assembly plants who are experiencing sort of a renewal under new owners. One is one we've talked about here, and it's a former Mitsubishi plant in Bloomington Normal, Illinois. And the other one, which we haven't talked about, is a former Hummer assembly plant in South Bend, Indiana. South Bend being kind of um, ironic because that was the home of Studebaker. Yes, it was. Huh. Both plants will be manufacturing vehicles, but by companies you haven't probably heard about until now. And the interesting part is not fly-by-night. They're not, they're, not, they're not following that path of uh, Faraday Future. So these are established companies... There are new companies that have deep ties, foreign companies that have hired major American talent in the auto industry, some from Tesla, some from Silicon Valley, some are a mix. So these are established com companies from overseas. Yes. And then they are deciding to start manufacture of a new product here on U.S. soil. That is correct. Okay. Who are the companies? Well, let's just start with the plants, and by that way, we can kind of work up to it. Now, okay. I've, I've been talking about this Mitsubishi plant for a while. Uh, the plant, as far as American assembly plants go, is a relatively new one. It was built in the late 1980s as a joint venture between Chrysler and Mitsubishi. Right. They called it Diamond Star Motors. Uh, about 10 years into the relationship, Mitsubishi bought Chrysler's interest out, and it became Mitsubishi's American footprint. Mitsubishi originally was planning about 10 years ago to spend $1.6 billion in what they call Project America, bringing out new vehicles and products in their American plant. The one that they did bring out was called the Endeavor. The Endeavor was their first SUV. It was nice, but they never updated it. Hmm. And then over time, they stopped making stuff. They used to make the Eclipse in that plant. That stopped. The Endeavor was made in that plant. That stopped. They were actually doing some uh, building for Chrysler in that plant. That stopped. So eventually the plant closed in 2015. They kind of knew it was going to close by 2012. And it's been sitting empty for almost three years. Wow. Now, the company is called Rivian Automotive. That's R-I-V-I-A-N Automotive. Um, 
they're planning to build in that plant a new electric, all-electric pickup and SUVs by 2020. Do they already have these said vehicles already on the road in no, other countries? No. I have no. Oh. Uh, it was actually the company was actually founded by an MIT graduate, and they bought the plant last year for sixteen million dollars. They're planning to invest one hundred seventy-five million in the plant and add hundred employees. Now, here's the kicker about the people they've hired: a guy called Gary Glosseri. He's a former Magna electric powertrain chief engineer who led the development of the powertrain for the Ford Focus Electric when he was at that auto supplier. And they hired another fella. Uh, actually, they've hired people from Lucid Motors, Faraday Future. No, I'm sorry. Got that wrong. They did not hire people from there. But unlike Lucid Motors and Faraday Future, let me get my story straight. Okay. They concentrated on the process and the technology first rather than a big splash. They bought the Mitsubishi factory for $16 million and expecting it to build that the, the plant had a capacity for up to 200,000 units a year. Bear in mind, that's a pittance compared to, remember we talked about the new Toyota uh, Mazda plant? Mm-hmm. $1.6 billion from scratch. And they're only going to put in $175 million. But what they already had for $16 million. And even at $175 million, they still haven't spent that much. They expect this uh, pickup truck. They've developed what they call a modular pickup bed and cargo system where you can re- re- reconfigure it in different ways. Now, Sasha should remember that sounds familiar, like Bollinger Motors, who, well, had, yes. who had the same thing out of New York. Yep. Uh-huh. They expect it to eventually be autonomous with world-class range, superb on- and off-road, permanent all-wheel drive, and get this, a 0 to 60 time of less than four seconds. Okay, I will be picking up my head out of the back seat. (laughs) Probably pretty much. Now, they expect to start building vehicles in this plant next year. They hired a former Chrysler executive who's the chief engineer of the vehicle program. They hired another former plant manager at Chrysler uh, to lead energy storage. And the design of the vehicles, a former chief designer at GM and Ford. So these guys ain't playing. They're putting their money where their mouth is. And that's on top of building their um, first presence in Silicon Valley. Did they hire somebody that knows how to run a car plant? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the guy, the guy who was a longtime Chrysler executive who knows vehicle programs, and then this guy who was a plant manager at Chrysler. I mean, in other words, to get to the point, they're not going to have production hell like somebody else we know. Yeah. Okay, but given Chrysler's refusal and head in the sand about what is the future of automotive. Probably why these guys are working for this startup. Okay. All right. Okay. There we go. Also, plus. Don't discount Detroit know-how. Exactly. Okay. They know how to get a vehicle from body and white to production as opposed to just going it alone like someone else we know in Fremont, California. (laughs) Yeah, I'm picking on your boy. I'm picking on your boy. Now, I need to run to this next plant, AM General South Bend Assembly Plant, Mm -hmm. uh, SF Motors. These guys hired folks from Tesla. 
And they are, in fact, the Tesla co-founder is involved, and they are going to build some stuff there in that plant, kind of an SUV, all-electric kind of thing. And they didn't pay much for that plant, although they didn't say how much, but they're going to invest about $100 million. So plants being repurposed for electrical vehicles that used to build gas guzzlers. Imagine that. When we come back to this, we're going to be talking what I call future world, driverless hotel rooms and van homes. And you can say, say what? No, live in your van down by the river? Not quite that. <laughs> Are we talking RVs here? Not exactly. Okay. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. This is our final segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. While much of our weekly conversation has been directed at the self-driving car, the impact of an autonomous world is going to be more encompassing than you might believe. Now, I recently stumbled across this glimpse of the future of one writer's take and found it compelling enough to share. So strap in as we take this ship into hyperdrive into the future. And may I share with you, driverless hotel rooms, the end of Uber, Airbnb, and, and some people would cheer this, human landlords. Really? Yeah. How driverless vehicles can enable on-demand accommodation for one night or a thousand at rates ten times cheaper than your current rent bill. Okay, I'm you got my attention. I'm gonna start by painting this picture. I'm gonna read this for a minute. I'm gonna take a moment and just set the scene. We can talk from there. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to begin our descent into Sydney. Please fasten your seatbelts and place your trays in the upright position. Local time is eight forty two PM and a humid twenty seven degrees. Our flight crew wishes you a happy new year, and we hope you fly with us again in 2025. Bear in mind, you only booked this flight this morning, and now you're on the other side of the planet. One week for the first time, by the way. One week to explore the city and five weeks on a new design project. When that project match showed up in your feed, you claimed it in two seconds. You've already earned $24,000 design in the purism economy. The system pings you and asks, need a room? You hadn't booked any accommodations yet, and you say, yes, please. Just out front, number 420. You giggle and follow the augmented directions leading to a sleek, driverless hotel room. It's about the size of a minibus, but without the seats, steering wheel, and engine. A giant transparent panel stretching the length and height of the vehicle greets you on approach. The panel opens up. And you step inside. Every inside, everything's as, as you expected. On the left, the couch seat that folds into a queen-sized bed with the push of a button. To the right, a small kitchenette with electric stove, running water, sink, microwave, and bar fridge. Behind that, the detachable bathroom module with toilet, 
shower, and wash basin. The system speaks to you. Hi there. Welcome home. Hungry? And you express your order. I could go for some pad thai and a beer, thanks. That'll be here in six minutes. You want a tour of the city? Nah, early one tonight. Let's check out Bondi Beach tomorrow. Your room starts driving itself towards Bondi, and a live map displays on one of the side panels. You sit back and relax with some Netflix on the other side panel. Exactly six minutes later, a drone lands on your roof, lowers your order through the compartment in the ceiling. If you need to order any package, you simply ask the room, and a drone arrives. It even does laundry. But there's more. As my executive producer looks at me in rapt attention. Arriving at Bondi Tower 7, you look up at a Lego-like modular skyscraper leaching high above the moonlit clouds. Your room docks with an electric skate and is elevated 30 stories up before slotting into a window-facing position. One of the side panels opens smoothly to reveal a large adjoining living room module. Extra modules are optional and can be requested on demand. An extra bed, private gym, spa, snack bar, office, and more. On the various levels of the tower are cafes, restaurants, retail stores, entertainment areas, communal kitchens, laundromats, gym, even a cinema. Jack, how much do you think that costs a night? I have no idea. $30. Amen. Sign me up. Huh? You fall asleep as your driverless hotel room recharges itself, ready to take you on an extensive tour of the city and beaches tomorrow. Your six-week experience will be personalized to your precise on-demand preferences, including invites to local communities, events, and interest networks. The only challenge I have with that, I don't think so much 2025 as 2045. But, Never bear, know. but bear in mind, your room took you to the airport, took you to your destination, slotted you up above so you would have, when you woke up, a view of the very beach you wanted to see. It's almost like uh, the Jetsons where they actually have to lift their house up above the smog. Mm-hmm. You know o- that one only thing? There, only there won't be any smog. Yeah, that's But true. imagine, this just talked about blockchain and a purism economy, uh, a situation where you were moved without a vehicle, not even, not even a driverless vehicle, because it's actually not a vehicle, but yet it is. It's your room, mm-hmm. your hotel room. This just sounds intriguing. Exactly. But again, how many of us 10 years ago would have thought we'd be talking autonomous cars right now? In a serious light. Exactly. That is being happening as we speak. And as we've talked about here before many, many times, you are looking at technology moving at the speed of sound. And the rest of us are getting, uh, what was that term you used a couple of weeks ago? Uh, Info lash or oh, oh. Tech, tech lash. Tech, tech lash. lash. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let me throw this out at you in, in the few minutes we've got left. Imagine automobile manufacturing. When a vehicle when vehicle production line is down, it costs twenty two thousand to fifty thousand per minute in wow. revenue and wage costs. But you can't just shut it off. Bear this in mind. One point three billion vehicles currently on the planet. 94 million rolling off production lines each year, right now. 
Give it now. This will blow your mind. We talked about this earlier. All these vehicles that people buy sit 95% of the time. Yep. If on-demand driverless vehicles come to fruition, then your $10 Uber ride suddenly becomes a sub-dollar ride anywhere in the city. At that point, the appeal of owning a car will diminish for most of the population, creating a massive oversupply of unwanted human-driven vehicles. I don't think it will get that bad because I think these companies will change long before it gets that. But here's what the writer shares. Given forecasts of 2 billion vehicles on the roads by 2040, and considering driverless vehicles only need to be idle while they're recharging, we can roughly calculate that one, only 100 million on-demand driverless vehicles be required to replace all 2 billion human-driven vehicles. In other words, when every auto manufacturer begins producing the high-demand self-driving cars, it will take one year to, re- re- to reach oversupply. Yep. There's more, but I'm going to skip and leave you with that because I think that's enough to sink in. <laughs> Mobility people. Thank you for joining me for the hour. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks again for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.